Ladies and gentlemen, the three knockdown rule on UFC Fight Pass is in effect. I'm Steve Kim, joined by Mario Category 2 Lopez. Not much of a hurricane we got yesterday, Man, to be honest with you. The hurricane. Yeah. We had the hurricane Both. and the earthquake. I thought the world was going to end. My gosh. Speaking of Debbie Downers, we got smoke and Tim Fraser <laughs> on the ones and twos and Tino. Tino on the edits. All right. The bout sheet for today. We have a jam-packed show. We're going to talk about heavyweight Saturday and scheduled to join us on the championship hotline. The undisputed welterweight champion of the world, Terrence Bud Crawford and Mr. Snack slash Balco from Hall of Shame of Netflix, Victor Conte joins us, and then we also have some final flurries. But I want to let everyone know that this show is brought to you by the Hustler Casino. It's our favorite L.A. Los Angeles casino and home of the most popular poker live stream in the world, a Southern California staple since the year 2000. Also, shout out to our sponsor and neighbor right here in Hollywood, Scout Micro LA. They offer a unique and innovative hair loss solution for men. They do a thing called pigmentation SMP, basically restoring um, the exact shape and size of hair follicles by tattooing tiny particles of pigment into the scalp, giving the illusion of hair. You'll never have to worry about losing it again. You can see results as little as one treatment in create and restore a hairline, make your hair look thicker and denser. Um, it can also conceal scars, hair trans uh, issues. If you've got any camouflage burns or what have you, it uses the highest qualities. It's really top notch stuff. If you're going bald, looking for a new look this summer, or just want to thick it up, call our friends over at Scout Micro LA and mention this ad for a free consult. Hey, because if you're getting thin, he'll help fill Good. you in. All right, so let's get started. From Warclaw. Poland on ESPN Plus for the IBF, WBA, and WBO heavyweight title of the world. Alexander Usyk takes on Daniel Dubois. Mario, is there any chance? Freddie Roach once said, Steve, you know what puncher's chance means? And I said, what? It means you got to get lucky. But Dubois is a big, burly, natural heavyweight. How much of a shot does he have? Look, if I had to pick one sport out of every sport, and I hesitate because I'm trying to think of another one other than boxing where one could quote Get lucky. Get lucky to me is when a guy who happens to be heavy handed, maybe he's well conditioned. I automatically think of like the fight with Castro and John David Jackson, mm, mm, where mm. if it was in the United States, they would have stopped it a long time ago because it took place yeah. in Mexico. He came with a big left hook. I put it on the other day on YouTube and my gosh, that would be considered a quote, lucky punch. But he was a dangerous guy. John David Jackson extended himself a little bit and he got caught with that big left hook. Do I think something like that could happen here? No, because I think Usyk is an incredibly disciplined and very intelligent fighter. But you never know. You have you have a little bit of a lapse and you get a dangerous guy in front of you. Anything can happen. Usyk, um, for some reason, was trending the other day with his knockout over Tony Bellew, which I forgot how vicious it yeah. was. <laughs> Usyk, you forget, he's a bad dude. So I expect him to continue to um, look as solid as he's looked. But again, that's why they fight the fights. We'll see. Yeah, and if it seems like we haven't seen Usyk in a while, it's only because we haven't. Mm. Literally this past weekend is the one-year anniversary of his rematch with Anthony Joshua. Kind of got do bogged down in the Tyson Fury nonsense. Right, and then there was the war. There was the war, <laughs> nice. that isn't a factor. But here's the thing with Dubois. Big, strong, burly guy, heavy-handed. But, man, I'm still worried. The last time we saw him, he got knocked down three times by Kevin Lorena in round number one. And if he was not the A-side or the house fighter, that thing could have been waved off. And then in his other fight, his eye got beat up, and he had to capitulate, wave the white flag. I'm not saying he quit, but he did get put through the ringer by Joe Joyce. Dubois, in my view, is very dangerous early. There's going to be a window. It's going to be in the first four rounds. But if it gets to five, six, seven, and eight, the overall IQ and the engine and the durability, I think Usyk comes away with this title. But again, if you're looking ahead to a Fury showdown, these fights in between, the sandwich fights, as they say, are oftentimes the trickiest to navigate. But again, that'll be Saturday afternoon on ESPN+. And then later that night from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Mario, I love the fact that Jared Anderson had some shaky moments against Charles Martin, but this Saturday is coming back against Andre Rudenko. I love the quick turnaround. So do I. I was just going to say, he didn't sit around and maybe um, waste the rest of the year just sort of contemplating and, and, and gathering himself. He went right back in there. And for a heavyweight, that's nice to see. For any fighter in this day and age, that's nice to see. So a fun little weekend in what's usually a uh, a downtime. Yeah. It is the dog days of summer. I'll say one thing about Rudenko. 
Rudenko, experienced, but he has six losses. 39 years old. He's been stopped. I like what Top Rank's doing. They're saying, if you have any doubts about what happened, Dark Cloud from the Charles Martin fight, psychology matters in matchmaking. Sometimes you have to rebuild the confidence of a young fighter. Absolutely. But I love the fact that Jared Anderson, if he gets past this one, there's a shot he could fight again by the end of 2023. So obviously, they're moving him very, very quickly. All right, we come back. Scheduled to join us on the championship hotline is Victor Conte on the three knockdown rule. This podcast is sponsored by Hustler Casino, home to the most popular streaming show, Hustler Casino Live, which just celebrated two years of record-breaking pots and live high-stakes poker action. If you're a card enthusiast, make sure to stop by and play all of your favorite games. Hustler Casino, see you there. And we're back now on the three knockdown rule on the UFC Fight Pass, Steve Kim, Mario Lopez. And Mario, I'll let you do the intro. We have a very special guest on the championship hotline. You know what? Honestly, one of my favorite people, fascinating individual, former bass player of Tower of Power and a couple other cool bands. But aside from that, a man who many think is a doctor, but is just a brilliant individual, Mr. Victor Conti, oh, ladies yeah, and gentlemen, yeah. starring in the very popular trending documentary Hall of Shame, currently on Netflix. Congratulations, um, Victor. Uh, prior to that, of course, you were known as the founder of Balco and also of Snack both of which are acronyms for Bay Area Laboratory Cooperative and Scientific Nutrition for Advanced Conditioning. You come up with the coolest acronyms <laughs> that are that are catchy. Did you like the documentary? Did you feel it was a fair portrayal? Well, that's not the documentary that I signed up to make, mm. but based upon the response, um, I like that. So, you know, shout out to the Netflix people for uh, apparently they knew what they were doing. That particular series, as you might have noticed, is kind of more sinister, the problem child. It's about, you know, <laughs> attempted suicide. It's, it's apparently people like the dark side stuff. So I wanted to include a little more about boxing, uh, what, I, what I call act three and, and some of the uh, uh, anti-doping uh, movement stuff and talk a little bit about VADA and so on. But we didn't get much of a chance to do that. You know, I told Cam, I said, because he knows how I feel about you, I said, I, I feel Victor came off like a very likable Bond villain, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> well, uh, uh, let me tell you something that's funny. When you listen to the beginning of the of the film, if you go back and listen carefully, you hear, bum, ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. And I said, what? what's this music, right? Yeah. And I, and I said, that's the theme for Pink Panther. So remember the comedy? Of course. You, know, you guys course. are old enough. You should remember. I remember. Kim's definitely old enough. Shut up. So I went back. If you remember, <clears throat> there was a bumbling, inept investigator. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Which in this film, that role is played by Jeff Nowitzki. <laughs> and then there's the master thief who he's trying to catch, and of course he makes all sorts of mistakes and trips over his shoestrings and so on, and it's pretty funny. And and maybe it's just me, but I, I thought maybe there was some kind of connection there between uh, the guy that wrote the music for the documentary and, and uh, the Pink Panther theme. You know what I found um, really fascinating, and I actually knew this, but it, it reminded me, because when we had met initially, I always used to call you Dr. Conti. Dr. Conti this, Dr. Conti. And then one time he told me, he goes, Mario, that's very nice, but you know, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and I just assumed because you read, you take a person's blood, you read the, the test results, yeah. and you're obviously a highly intelligent individual and you're dealing in this world of chemistry that you would yeah. have to be a doctor. How did you become so knowledgeable in this particular uh, space uh, being a, a a musician and then not, this not being your, your background, that's like fascinating to me. You became the go-to guy. It's so weird. Well, how this all happened was a, a friend of my cousin's owned a laboratory that was originally in Santa Barbara and they have this technology, an ICP, which stands for inductively coupled plasma and it's an atomic emission spectrometer. It took me years to be able to even pronounce it correctly. <laughs> but uh, then I literally ran a, an ad in the yellow pages for a medical director for, for the laboratory that we were building. And he took me to Stanford University to the Lane Medical Library and helped me get a library card. And then I started going there and crawling around on my hands and knees 60, 70 hours a week, Xeroxing all these scientific journals to learn about 
the effect of minerals and trace elements and what people may or may not realize is all the hormones and enzymes in your body are dependent upon an adequate supply of minerals and trace elements. So if you don't have those, your testosterone will drop, growth hormone levels will drop, etc. So I began to see and start studying about, and a lot of the research was the Department of Military Medicine, like SEAL trainees, and they would, they would determine that on a train day, and they, were, they looked at all the, not only physiological stressors, but psychological stressors. And on a train day, compared to a rest day, you would find double the concentration of these micronutrients in urine. So I realized elite athletes, the way they train and how much they sweat and so on, that I bet you a lot of these guys have depletions and deficiencies in minerals and trace elements. Well, speaking of which, that's what you began doing, is doing diagnostics on athletes. Now, do you believe... I, I, the title of it was interesting because as soon as you came up and you said to me, Steve, this is what they're calling it, Hall of Shame. I said, oh, okay, they're going to go this direction. Like You kind of knew. Do you think the, the documentary at least cleared up the perception that still exists that Balco just sprouted up in 1998 and was giving out illegal PEDs? Because the history is that it began in 1984. You right. guys were a very clean operation for about 15 years. Sure. Do you think it at least did that? I think that it did, yes. The people, and that's why I was so against that title in the beginning, because I felt like it was going to broad stroke all those athletes from back in the in the 80s and you know Super Bowl championship teams and and big names like John Elway and and Dan Marino and Steve Atwater and Bill Romanowski and of course Bill a little later did go down the slippery slope with me, but many athletes that I worked with over that 16-year period. I never gave them any, any well, performance-enhancing drugs, and I thought that's what they were doing was they were going to broad-stroke everybody, and, and, and I felt bad for those that, uh, that I had worked with over the years. You know, Mari, when you go up to the uh, snack facilities, okay, I've been there a few times, the pictures of every athlete is on the walls. Like, he, he lists them proudly. It doesn't matter. But, and that's sure. the question that I have is, Victor, you've never ran from your past. Why is that? because you can't run from your past it is who it is when you you got to realize that from 2003 until 2013 over that decade my friend terry thompson that was the sports editor of the new york daily news told me that they ran a search and determined that over 300 feature stories about me and balco have been written in the new york daily news <laughs> This was a Balco boss, Balco investigator, Balco athlete, Balco lawyers. Everything was Balco, 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 Balco. And that name, as you know, you know, the title of, of articles is what, and people kind of got into this like a, like a long-running soap opera, I guess. So as soon as they saw that headline, of course, they'd want to read it. And if you watch the doc, you put it out there. You say, I never gave anyone any steroids you said which i found fascinating because i think the perception is like just like you said that balco was set up and that's specifically what you did but but you you, you say you didn't and yet you attracted these high level um stars these athletes from different sports from the barry bonds to the marion jones and what have you and so you gave them their blood work you told them where their deficiencies are and then they took that information and did what it did with it what would someone who does do in that space? Am I, I'm, I'm speculating. I don't know. Is that what happened you're, you're or what happened? If you notice at one point in the film when I said, now I had to learn how to formulate supplements. And the reason was because I would tell people what they were low in. And let's just say it was a half a dozen different minerals and trace elements. Some they would take in the morning, some in the afternoon, some in the evening. Because you can't take them together because they have competitive and antagonistic uh, interactions. Right. What I quickly learned was the industry standard was to put calcium, a form of calcium, dicalcium soft, uh, sulfate, inside as a filler. And you'd go to GNC and buy iron, 18 milligram, or zinc, 15 milligram, and the other 985 milligrams was calcium. Well, then I learned that calcium significantly inhibits the absorption of all the other minerals and trace elements by as much as 50%. Hmm. So I tested everybody, told them to go buy this stuff and, and at a health food store or GNC, retest them in six weeks, and, and the blood values weren't changing. Ah. I had to figure out why. <laughs> so then I took the calcium out so, and put in other inert things. Got it. 
started so you, getting the most bioavailable farms, and no. and so I couldn't test people, tell them what to do, and have them come back in six weeks and say, well, why do my blood results look exactly the same? It's because the products on the on the market were doing nothing more than giving you the most expensive urine in the world. So you weren't necessarily giving the steroids; you were giving them what to, for them not to appear right. uh, later, essentially, right? For it well, not to- no, I, I was trying to replete their body stores, so we developed what you would call an individualized program. Got it. Genetically, uh, you know, many other factors uh, would cause you to be high or low. You would certain people absorb you. He might have Steve might absorb forty percent of magnesium, and you might absorb twenty. There's a lot of factors that go into that psychological, physiological, sure. genetically, and so on. So wherever you started. My analogy would be, and, and this is how I describe to, to the boxers, that we're plugging you into the auto-diagnostic machine, okay? And we find you got X amount of horsepower, but look at this. You got a little low compression in this cylinder. Let's fix that. You got a little low vacuum over here. If you're a little more rich or lean over here in the, in the fuel, and we make these adjustments to maximize the horsepower. I want to maximize my horsepower. And, and how much to take. <laughs> Unless you you do this diagnostic in the beginning, so that's the very first step with everybody is yeah. comprehensive blood testing, and we do Got at it. least 50 different parameters. So it's very comprehensive: all yes. the anabolic hormones, the immune system, red blood cells, white blood cells, overtraining markers, etc. Right, and keep this in mind: uh, Patrick Arnold, who was mentioned prominently, came up with the clear in the cream. Right. So and remember, and, and Victor said this many times: Look, I I was. What really was the rage in the late 90s was undetectable PEDs. Right. So how to beat the test. And hence the clear right. in the cream. By the way, you were looking really good right there when you, when you had the shirt <laughs> off well, sometimes. Victor, you were my looking. customer. Yeah, exactly. The owner. You were looking really lean and looking really good right there, Victor. Let me correct something you just said, Steve. Yeah. So that he came up with the clear in the cream. First of all, there were two versions of the clear. There was just not one clear. Oof. The first <laughs> one was called norbolethone. That was something that was in the scientific literature. Uh, Rife Laboratories made this in the 60s. And then they discontinued making it because they had some liver uh, hepatic issues there and they never brought it to market. So he just made like a gallon of this stuff and it was all over the place, NFL and I mean craziness, you know. <laughs> but then once I got a hold of this and I started doing testing on it, I realized that the dosage needed to be much lower than what I was originally told, and the frequency. And then the cream was something that I came up with because anytime you take any kind of a steroid, mm. it, it suppresses your own endogenous production of testosterone, and this is why you hear about bodybuilders and their, their balls are shrinking because they're not producing any testosterone. Mm. So the, the testers are looking for this, so the actual way the, the program was structured Monday the clear, Tuesday the cream, because you've suppressed your own endogenous production of testosterone, we bring it back up to normal. Wednesday the clear, Thursday the cream, then Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. Hmm. So it was a, it was a four days on, three days off, and then three weeks on, and then one week off. So it was a this cycle. This was specifically yeah. to lessen any potential side effects. And of course, I was also testing liver function, cholesterol fractions, well, all these are for health and safety purposes. You don't think I knew that if somebody was harmed that their blood wouldn't be on my hands? Well, so that's the whole idea that I was reckless, dangerous, no, all no. this kind of stuff. Well, that's Trust what, me, anybody that was using stuff when I started, they were using it before I started working with it. No, of course. I, I, so I, I, I'm i sure, yeah. of buying it out of the dark alleys and trunk out of trunks of cars and gyms, they were now bringing it under the, all the lights of a clinical laboratory and being and we were doing it as safe as we possibly could now were there risks involved of course well that's what my question was right here let's eliminate sport for a second just for purposes of a conversation if a guy like kim who doesn't do any physical activity want a bet? Want a bet. <laughs> when a guy just wants to hang out say he just wants to look better right just your your, your average guy just wants to look um, physically strong and wants to appear more confident and just have bigger muscles and what have you. How dangerous really is um, these anabolic steroids? Aren't they supposed uh, to be kind of healthy listen, at the same time? You know, there are guys that say, show me the dead bodies. Right. There, there's really no uh, acute here and now dynamic. It's, if steroids are not like EPO can thicken your blood, you can have a stroke and die. 
Okay, there are things that are very dangerous, but steroids, and, and I classify them two ways, use and, and abuse. Mm. Okay? So normally where a guy might take, uh, you know, a couple hundred milligrams every other week of testosterone, and to put that in perspective, on average, uh, a male generates 50 milligrams a week or seven milligrams a day. So this is how, and we'll move on to this issue of testing in the four to one ratio, you can take triple your t circulating testosterone level and still be flying under the radar of the four to one TE ratio. So this is how, and what's going on today is that there, there are no more clear. Have you heard any more designer steroids lately? The answer is no. Hmm. And the reason is because anabolic steroids are so easy to detect hmm. and they've developed methods that literally it, double and triple the length of time. It used to clear in a few days. Right. Now, orals will maybe clear in four to six weeks and, and uh, injectables maybe three or four months. Yeah, but you're, you're, up to a year. Right, no, I'm not talking about competition. I'm just talking about if the average guy wanted to use them, they're essentially not dangerous and would you even say good for you? Well, especially when you get to be my age. Or even your age. Okay? Yes. Oh, I'm so right behind you. you know Thanks that? a lot. If you, this if guy's you older than me, though. <laughs> and your testosterone level is low. Right. And you bring it up. Say the normal range is 300 to See? 1100, and average is is uh, 550. Okay. Is it going to hurt you to bring them up to bring it up to like 750? No. The side effects would be virtually non-existent. But a pro bodybuilder, as as an example, where you do a couple hundred milligrams, you know, every two weeks. They're doing like 5,000 milligrams a week. Use versus abuse. a pro bodybuilder yeah. one time, and his, his serum testosterone level was 21,000. What? Okay. Now, some of these guys, <laughs> He's nuclear. of course, have heart attacks. <laughs> and, you know, so that now I'm talking about abuse. Now he's talking about I'm abuse. Not, so, but see, I'm that's 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 the, the the stigma that it, it it's bad for you. It can kill. It actually could be good. Well, for it's like you. a glass and of wine could be good for you. You drink two bottles a night, you're an alcoholic right. in the, uh, under analogy. a bridge. Uh, Victor, great analogy. <laughs> under a bridge. <laughs> Mark, uh, Victor. <laughs> And I hope I don't. I hope I'm not an example of that. Now, Victor, your overall thoughts on what has taken place with Dillian White and Alicia Baumgartner, and I wrap this up by asking also, how rampant are illegal PEDs in the year 2023, in your view? Well, relative to when Vada started back in 2011, the beginning of 2012 was the first um, tests that were done uh, on. Uh, if you recall, it was Nonito Denaire who did 24-7, 365 back in 2012. And by the way, he also won uh, Boxing Writers Association Fighter of the Year with four wins That's over right. Juan Manuel Marquez, who knocked out Manny Pacquiao. So, so it shows that a champion can, you know, be clean and and do remarkable things in the world of boxing. Now, back to say it was say it was 80 uh, percent before, and maybe it's 60 percent now. I still think it's a majority. Mm. And the reason is because the promoters are not doing adequate testing. And in, in a particular, I'll tell you who the worst are, is Eddie Hearn and Matchroom, and Al Heyman and PBC. Now, they may do testing at an event of just the headliner, okay? But other guys on the card, like my fighters, like a Demetrius Andrade, who fought in January on the, on the uh, card in, in D.C. With, with Tank, Okay, he wasn't tested at all, zero. How do you have a two-time world champion in a pay-per-view event with 21,000 people there and have zero testing? And that's the thing, so, as opposed to like baseball or, or, or uh, even football, I'd say, when you're hitting with your fists and the object of the sport is to inflict pain, that's when steroids are a whole, it's, that's when, and wouldn't, I'm sure you would agree, that it, that it becomes um, dangerous and perhaps even lethal. Absolutely. And, and here's the, let me talk about the specific cases that you just asked me about, okay? Especially Alicia Marmgard, this, this recent one. The data is so ridiculous. They, they do the testing at which they call matchroom drug testing, right? But here's here's what they're doing. They're hiring this this company called Drug Free Sport. Uh, originally, it was IDTM, which is based in Sweden, and now it's in in uh, Missouri here in the United States. And they do a lot of testing for baseball, football, NCAA, etc. But here's what I learned: the promoter 
can go to them and just like a menu in a restaurant where VADA orders everything on the menu, all prohibited substances at all times, they follow the water code, which is no stimulants and no narcotics during training camp. And then apparently in her case, when they do the anabolic steroid panel with, with VADA, 65 steroids are included. And apparently in her case, there was only eight included. Mm. Now, here's the, the, the bizarre part about this. What I was, my understanding, let's put it that way, is that a promoter can say, I want to do these little panel of tests here, but not others. And then when the results come back, I don't want anybody to get those results. Just send them to the promoter exclusively. No commission, no sanctioning body. And if the promoter decides to show these results, well, maybe they do and maybe they don't. Mm. Okay? Wow. So this is highly shady business going on, in my opinion. Now, also, there, there was a, she did a test which was the 16th of, of June. Then she did another test the week of the fight, I guess the 12th of July. Then she did a third test, which was on at the fight on, on August the 15th. So, so it was June 16th and, and then, uh, yeah, the week was, the fight was in July. So July 15th and 12th and July 15th. Well, it was a full 30 days later <laughs> when they came mm -hmm. forward mm -hmm. with the data and two things that were discovered. First of all, Eddie Hearn had those test results for five days before anybody find, found out. Secondly, the protocol is that you're supposed to ship all samples collected for drug testing overnight. Well, now we know that these, this sample from the when the tested positive <clears throat> sat in the doping control officer's house for nine days mm. before they sent it in. Can't do that. Now, mm. now let, let's say one more thing. This company, if you look online, there have been allegations and in fact a lawsuit and, and one of the senior, a female, one of the senior people that worked in the company, she was going to wrap them out because there was, there was evidence that somebody within this organization, when a positive drug test came back, offered in exchange for money covered up. Ooh. Shady. Uh, Victor, we have to get going because we're waiting. We're going to be talking to Terrence Crawford. Last question that we have. What's he like to work with? What do you think of him as an athlete? Where does he rank? Very special. Uh, you know, he's just, uh, he's a great guy. The more you get to know him, the more you like him. I, I have tremendous respect for him. He's a, he's a fun guy. But, you know, a lot of people don't know him and it took me a while to warm up to him. But I would say the, the thing that I appreciate the most about about Terrence is his, his loyalty. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. And then just one a question. I'm just curious with your uh, about your response. Obviously, there's still um, steroids in, in, in sports in general. I remember one time we had a conversation. You said, Mario, there's always going to be one guy a step ahead that's going to be able to be ahead of the testing and be able to clear it. Is that still the case? Well, that's the case, but let me just in short tell you what the new doping is about. It's taking your own endogenous hormones. That means testosterone, that means EPO, that means growth hormone, that means insulin, that means thyroid. Your body makes all of these, right? So it's very difficult to differentiate between what is endogenous produced by your body and comes from outside. And mm. they have what they call a threshold. So they microdose, as I know you heard about, and, and if it's a four to one TE ratio, testosterone to epitestosterone ratio, they'll pull it up to three to one and just fly under the, the, the mm. radar, so to speak. Wow. Let me just say one final thing. I, I could not be more pleased at however this happened to have as a part of the snack system team, three undisputed fighters, Terrence Crawford, Devin Haney, and Cl Clarissa Shields. Bravo. Bravo. All right, Bravo. so, Victor, when you're in L.A., you got to pay us an in-studio visit. We'd love to have you here. We've got a lot more to talk well, about, Victor. Good. And listen, congratulations <laughs> on your continued success. You guys are the big dogs. All right. Thank you. And there it is. From Dr. Conti. <laughs> Dr. Snack Attack. Victor, thank you. We'll be back with more of the Three Knockdown Rule.
This podcast is sponsored by Hustler Casino, home to the most popular streaming show, Hustler Casino Live, which just celebrated two years of record-breaking pots and live high-stakes poker action. If you're a card enthusiast, make sure to stop by and play all of your favorite games. Hustler Casino, see you there. Shout out to our boy Oscar Lopez, no relation, from Scalp Micro LA. His company offers a unique and very innovative hair loss solution for men. They specialize in a pigmentation known as SMP. Basically, it replicates the exact shape and size of hair follicles by tattooing little particles of pigment into the scalp, giving the illusion of hair. Don't trip. It's actually very realistic. You can see the results in as little as one treatment. They create and restore hairlines, give the appearance of density to thinning hair. So if it's starting to go, it'll look a little thicker. If you're going bald or you're just looking for a new uh, look this summer, check out our homies over at Scout Micro LA and mention this ad for a free consult. And we're back on the three knockdown rule on UFC Fight Pass. And, and Mario, I don't think this young man needs an introduction, but you know what? I'm going to have you do it anyway. Oh, man, I'm very excited to finally be able to talk to the undisputed welterweight champion of the world, Mr. Terrence Bud Crawford. Welcome to the show, yeah. my man. Yes. What's going on? What's going on? Hey, man. For, well, first of all, of course, congratulations. But I'm so uh, happy to see you finally get your flowers, as the kids say, and do this big victory lap. I've been seeing you on the show. and. Man, I saw you on Charlemagne talking about Charlemagne. Got to know a little bit more about the game before he starts talking to you and all that. But I've been seeing you do the do uh, um, a lot of different shows that obviously you haven't had the opportunity to do before, and it's great when fighters of your caliber and Errol Spence finally step into that ring and make it happen. But it took a minute. Did you ever give up on facing Errol Spence in years past? Like you said, this shit's just taking too long. Yeah, I gave up a little bit, but you know, I circled back uh, uh, once once I left top rank and see if we could get a fight between me and Errol Spence uh, aligned with each other. Uh, the talks started off uh, good, but then they went bad once we started talking about the terms and stuff like that. You know, uh, transparency. And at that point in time, I decided to take the Avenesian fight. And uh, after that fight, I just was like, okay, let me circle back and see, you know, uh, if this fight really can be made or not. Terrence, I remember last October of 2022, a press release came out at about 8 o'clock at night, which never happens. It says, Terrence Crawford, David Avanesi. And I said, oh, okay. And it said, BLAK Prime. And I was like, wait, what? I, BLK. BLK, right. And I remember you did a live stream that night kind of explaining your position. In your view, what were the chances or the percentages of the Spence fight happening next? I mean, were you encouraged or were you kind of skeptical that this fight would ever happen at that point with you and Errol? Well, at that time, I was kind of, you know, having mixed emotions because I already said, you know, uh, certain things I wasn't going to bend on. And I know certain things they wasn't going to bend on. And uh, at that time, I was like, well, maybe the fight's not going to happen. But once me and Errol Spence got on the phone and we both uh, explained to each other how much we wanted to fight each other and make history, then that's when I got the confidence that the fight will, will happen next. Well, the, the buildup, the, the heated pre-fight press conference, Derek James uh, disrespecting your, your, your trainer, Bo Mack, um, I'm sure you're... It, what happened though, right? Pardon me? You see what happened, though, right? Well, yes. that's exactly it. <laughs> I saw Derek, Derek James. Derek James, you know, he, he did a lot of disrespecting my coach. The uh, media was disrespecting my coach. The fans, they was disrespecting my coach. But, you know, uh, he showed high-level coaching the night of the fight, and I don't think uh, Derek James uh, was on his level uh, when, 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 it, when it's all done, when, they, when, when you compare the two. Uh, I believe that uh, they didn't have a backup plan. I believe, you know, uh, him telling his his fighter to uh, step around, and that's that's all he was telling them. Um, that was that was bad coaching uh, for that for that night. Not to say that Derrick James is a bad coach at all, because I wouldn't disrespect him uh, by saying that, because he's a great coach. He's uh, done great things in the sport of boxing. But that that night, he got out coached. Well, that's a, that's a classy way to put it. And speaking of that night, uh, Bud, did the fight 
play out how you envisioned? Uh, no, not at all. I thought it was going to be a harder fight. I thought, you know, I, I trained for the fight to be, be uh, a tough one. You know, uh, not saying that it, was, that it was easy, because I, I, I think all the fights is one in the gym. You know, when you get to this high level, uh, is everything is about inches. You know, and uh, once you get to to this this level, no fights is easy. But I thought the fight was going to be uh, more difficult. Uh, but once I got in there and I see what uh, Earl Spence was bringing to the table, I knew in my heart that you know I had it in the bag. Terrence, I want to talk about a couple of days before the fight. I thought throughout the whole week you were the alpha. I mean, you set a tone, and I remember watching the press conference where you basically told everyone on both sides, like, hey, let's calm down. This is about me and two guys. Let's not, like, act up here. But then someone got on your nerve on Spence's side, and you basically said, hey, don't do it. Don't do this. You got kind of heated at the guy, and I think everyone was like, oh, you mean business. Did you feel in your own mind it was getting almost too tense on both sides from people that had nothing to do with the fight on that particular day? Well, it's been that way. You know, when you when you look at the buildup, when you look at the hype around the fight, when you look at uh, both sides of the fan, fans uh, for each fighter, it's been, you know, uh, that way. Uh, especially when you got two, two high-prized black fighters in the urban area, you know, uh, you got to pick a side. So uh, you have fans from his fans, you know, uh, tweeting and saying all kinds of crazy stuff to me. You got people from my fans uh, tweeting and saying crazy stuff about him. And they made it more personal with with the fight, well, surrounding the fight that me and Earl did. Me and Earl is two professionals and we just want to be great. We just want to, you know, be recognized as the best fighter in the world. We we, we have the same goals, but the fighters, the fighters going to fight the fight. The fans wanted to fight the fight and be fans, you know, be businessmen. They want to be lawyers. They want to be promoters. They want to be, be, be all of it in one. And I think, you know, that's what made the fight more intriguing because of how it was how it separated us as I would say brothers because we both black yeah you know Terrence what's interesting is I, I know you're on Twitter but you don't tweet a lot and, and I, I still recall your sister TT she's come back she doesn't back down from anybody she got right into the mix how much of that slander because I thought some of it did get slanderous and some outright lies from the other side how much did you actually see of that and did it ever really reach a point where it made you angry no, I've been I've been getting lied on and all kinds of crazy stuff my whole career down there, you know. So that's that's nothing that surprised me, you know. Uh, it's just that you know when when I when I fought uh, Avanesian, that was my time to uh, tell my side of the story because normally I just let fans and the naysayers say what they want because it don't affect me. So I just let them talk, but. Uh, it comes a point in time where you got to stand up for yourself and you got to say, look, this is not true. This is not true. This is what was really going on. And this is what uh, happened. And this is why the fights, fight didn't uh, fall through. And at that point in time, you know, people still saying I was lying. I was ducking. I was asking for too much. I was this. I was that. And I just said, OK, cool. I said what I said. I made my peace. Now there's nothing for me else, um, nothing left for me to say, you know. Uh, at that at that time, you got to just say to yourself, it doesn't matter what you do. They're gonna believe what they want. They're gonna take it how they're gonna take it, and that's just how how it's gonna be. You're right, and and I I feel like you're the type of man too not that doesn't get flustered too easily or intimidated. Mm. <laughs> so you you're gonna do what you're gonna do. Um, Will the rematch clause be enforced, bud? Or what's the latest on all that? I don't know. You know, uh, that's something that Arrow got to discuss with his team, and uh, they the one that got to make the decision whether you know or not to go into a rematch uh, by the end of this year or not. And bud, 
my understanding is since you were the winner, if Errol says, okay, we're doing the rematch, you get the decision on the weight class. Tell me if that's correct. And would you have a problem with the second fight being at 154? Yeah, that is correct. You know, uh, I'm in charge now. You know, uh, the ball is in my court. You know, I'm the point guard, so I, I'm able to uh, do whatever I want to do at this point in time, at whatever weight. And I'm sure at this point in time, too, Bud, you're going to be very selective on the fights you want to make and you want to make the big money fights and the fights that turn into big events uh, and what have you. And I know on other shows, people be not knowing the fight game, talk about you jumping up two, three weight classes. Would would there be any consideration? I know Canelo was the name that was popped out there. Would you ever even entertain going? Because I don't think that he's a thick little dude. I don't think he can go much lower. Would you ever consider going up to, to 68 or is that just kind of ridiculous? As I say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous. Why is it ridiculous? Because that's, tw- was, that's 20 pounds. <laughs> that's 20 pounds. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm just, because of math, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> That, that would be my my opportunity to uh, show everybody how great Terrence Crawford really is. Mm-hmm. If Canelo uh, win that fight and uh, accept my challenge and I come up to 168 and uh, challenge him for undisputed uh, in his way and that fight happen, then, you know, uh, man, I'm going to just show everybody. You know, that skills pay the bills, and I got the skills to uh, to do it all in that ring. Mario, I'm going to tell you right now. What about that life? No, if it, <laughs> Bud beats Canelo, you better move someone off your Mount Rushmore. Oh, that's no. You, you better get a you new already sculptor. Know, you already know mountain. how I feel about Bud. Bud, you know for years, man, I've been a big yeah. fan, aside from your... Um, skill set. I love the way you carry yourself and with your family. And what I can't you. say the same for uh, Steve. Oh, <laughs> come on. you a big hater. No, no. T- t- <laughs> you know what's funny, Terrence? I actually have probably stuck up for you more than anybody. But, Terrence, you know what's funny? Bud knows I've been a big fan for a long time. And, you know, and like I said, real quick, aside from him as a fighter, I love the way he is with his family. I want to get to the kids and all that in a second. I've actually had him yeah. on my show. But, real quick, Bud, strong worth ethic, work ethic, never see you out of shape. Obviously, fundamentally sound, best switch hitter, ambidextrous fighter I've seen, and damn it, I love that mean spirit to to, to close that show right there. Do you, when you're not fighting and you have a fight um, uh, lined up, I, obviously you stay in shape, but do you make it a point to stay out of the boxing gym, or you just do other things to keep you in shape? Well, I do other things. You know, I pay, I played basketball today with my nephew, but I still went to the gym. I didn't work out, but. Just my presence, you know, uh, motivate those those kids in the gym. So, you know, uh, I'm constantly doing things. I'm constantly, you know, trying to stay active. So if I'm not if I'm not in the boxing gym training, I'm still getting a workout in. Did you? And I know your boys wrestled. Uh, which I love because mine do too. Did, did you wrestle growing up, Butters? And I saw you messing around on some video with someone. I was like, you did a nice little sprawl, had a nice little shot. And then I know you were in Nebraska. You got them corn-fed boys yeah. wrestling all the time. How much wrest- How much was wrestling a part of your life? Well, I didn't like wrestling. I wrestled. I quit in the uh, seventh grade. Uh, what did you like about I it? Never really, I never really liked the wrestling, you know, because I grew up where there was a lot of studs, you know, uh, yes. the guys that I yeah. was wrestling with. All of them was going to college. They all was, you know, three-time state champions. Yeah. You know, so it was it was real tough, you know. And at that time, I was still uh, boxing. I still had that that anger problem. So getting t- took down and getting pinned and stuff like that. Not say I was, I wasn't, you know, uh, handling my own. But you know, wrestling is a tough sport and it get competitive. Yeah. And uh, it get intense. And I always ended up wanting to throw blows. I always wanted to fight, so. <laughs> wanted to make an MMA. Yeah. Like MMA. Right. Yeah. But but it's ironic because you got your boys into it. Yeah, because I know I know how how great wrestling is for yeah. just life purposes. Yep, same you reason know, I did uh, know you're right. Just just having the found foundation okay. to, you know, do any sport. You know, I think wrestling go hand in hand with any sport because you learn your body so much yep. in wrestling that you can't do in other sports. You know, uh, wrestling and gymnastics, I think, is the two most, you know, um, sport, the two, two, two best sports you can do to actually learn your body and learn, you know, balance and learn how to control, you know, your upper body and your lower body together. So, 
you know, and it makes you strong as shit at, at that. So uh, I put my I put my kids in at a young age, at the age of three, because I always said, yeah. you're going to be able to protect yourself, you know, whether you want to or not. Because nine times out of ten, if you get into a fight on the streets, it's going to end up on the ground. So uh, yeah, we got to get that well, ground game. That's a, that's no, exactly, and they're good, too. No, Because I follow them, and they're good, too. And I saw that. And it was very, very impressive. And it's so nice to hear you say that because I thought the same thing. You can wrestle. You can do anything. You can acclimate mm. to try to do anything else and not to mention the confidence. And your little girl, is she still running track? I had her on the show. I don't know if you know this, Tim. The shoe, uh, Kim, the shoe came off. She's still running. <laughs> Remember that, Terrence? I posted yeah. that, as a matter of fact. That was wild. Yeah. Yeah. The reality is she in just, a street fight, there is no Marcus of Queensberry rules. There really isn't. <laughs> Terrence, I want to go back to the fight real fast. One of the, the great moments of that night, you knocked down Errol Spence. And you had the wherewithal to actually point out Jamel Charlo. Did you know where he was sitting? I've never seen that before. Or did you just happen to see him when you went to the neutral corner? No, actually, you know, uh, when I came in the Marine, me and Charlo locked eyes. Mm. You know, I, I was coming I was coming up the ropes. I jumped in the ring. I always look around to see where, where my family is sitting. So as I come in the ring, me and Charlo locked eyes. You know, and I just turned like, man, I'm not worried about him. You know, and I locked eyes with my family, and uh, you just see him like over there like this with his head tilted. <laughs> you know, uh, the first knockdown, I didn't say nothing to him, but as, as the fight keep going, and you know, emotions start flaring up, and I'm getting more confidence and confidence. Uh, once I knocked Spence down again, I was just letting Charlo know, like, like just tell him about himself. Did you ever get along with them? Because there always seemed to be a little tension with you and the Charlos. Was that all no, about protecting Errol Spence? No, we used to be cool. Mm. You know, I had their number. They had my number. They used to uh, uh, inbox me on uh, Instagram. We used to talk about cars. You know, I was cool with their they big brother, all that stuff. You know, I, I see them at the store, like, uh, you know, like the designer stores and stuff like that. And it was all all love you know but once i moved up in weight Mm -mm. and um it got to a point where i was challenging spence and my name was in the same category as spence you know jamel jamel was like oh we lions over here we texas boys he gonna get knocked out man fuck that Uh, fuck crawford this and that and then like i'm like damn you know what i mean i changed like i'm like you know what i mean like dude you, you you're a whole groupie so that's what that's where me and attention got between him because I felt as a real man, you know, you let you let two men handle what they need to handle and you stay out of it if you if you cool with both of them. Errol Spence can be your brother. I don't I don't agree with you riding with your brother, you know, but just stay out of it and just play it cool like shit, man. Terrence, I respect them. You know what I mean? Me and Terrence is friends, we cool or whatever we was. But I'm riding with Errol, and I'm going to sit back, and I'm going to watch them two fight and may the best man win. But for you to put in your extra inputs and we text, boy, we fucking you up, and this and that, Errol Spence going to stop you. Now you disrespecting me, you know what I mean? So now I feel like, you know what I mean, you was a fake friend because now you smiled in my face. But now mm. that I'm fighting, trying to fight one of your friends, now you showing the true colors. And Jamal, he never was really out there like that, you know what I mean? bad-mouthing me and saying crazy stuff about my name until I, I'll start, you know what I mean, talking about his brother. And, you know, he got to take his brother's side because that's his twin. And he just came out and was like, you know, I'll fight Terrence Crawford. He don't got to fight my brother. I'll fight him. You know, but he still didn't say nothing crazy or get crazy like Jamel did. So that's my issue with Jamel. I ain't going to lie. I'd like to see that fight. 54. Yeah, 54. That, that, that'd be that, that'd be a lot of fun right there. I know you got some options, my man. Um, what was it like, bud, having a, a parade in your honor in Omaha? Oh, man, that was, man, that was fucking crazy. I think I was more excited about the parade than the fight. <laughs> you know, the fight, I was just so locked in. It was just like, you know, I, was, I felt like Terminator, you know. Uh, <laughs> but the parade for like 20,000 people to come down there and see me, that's great. You know, it was it was it was unbelievable. It was something that I've never been a part of, you know, because when you look at when you look at a fight with me and Spence, you got everybody there for both of y'all. You got half for you, uh, you got half for Spence. But when you have your own parade, like That's... everyone's there just for you. Yeah. Nobody else. Everybody there just for you and the support 
your accomplishments and uh, for for them to recognize me as uh, an ambassador for Omaha, Nebraska, and you know, sell me some land for one dollar. That's awesome. You know, to to acknowledge my team, uh, it was it was big, especially for 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 us coming from where we came from. Uh, nothing was ever get given. You know, we had to get everything from from ground up. You know, and uh, I just, I just, you know, I'm happy that uh, everybody could be a part of it. I'm happy that you know the turnout about it, like the whole day from start to finish, was amazing. And you know, uh, I'm just blessed to be the one that to do it. You know, sorry, but you talk about ground up. I don't know if you remember this, Terrence, but. Uh, we I actually covered one of your early fights. You were in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, Halloween night, 2009. Me and Sergio Mora were the announcers. People forget about this. Before Top Rank, Terrence was with TKO Promotions. Mm. No one remembers that. They actually had some talented young guys like Leo Santa Cruz and obviously Terrence. Have you thought about how far you've come? Because when, when I'm preparing for this interview and I'm looking at this record of yours, I'm thinking, man, Terrence was on TKO Promotions at the War Memorial Arena and now he's one of the biggest stars in the game doing CBS Morning Radio. Have you have you actually had time to exhale and just think about where you are now? Yes. You know, uh that's why I, that's why I always tell people, you know, um nothing was given to me. Uh I had to I had to work my way up uh from the ground. You know, and uh I wasn't I wasn't a person that had backing like uh, a big promotional company that was backing me. I never had big money that was backing me. I never was the the fighter that was on ESPN, Friday Night Fights, or all these Showtime fights, or the new generations. I, I never had the opportunity to fight on any of those platforms. So uh, I never I never was groomed. I went straight from fighting a six round fight to fighting a 10 round fight in the co-main event yes you know Britus uh, Prescott so, uh, yeah yeah Prescott so it was I, I think I had like 10 four rounders because n- n- nobody would fight me and I was I just needed some uh, some money you know I think you know it was a point of time in two years I fought four times you know uh, that's when I met Tim Bradley because I wasn't fighting and I took up the opportunity to go out there and spar him. So my career been rocky from the start. Uh, so for me to get where my ultimate goal was to get to the top of boxing and become a world champion, that was my ultimate goal. Uh, but to accomplish everything after it, you know, is, is beautiful and it's just telling uh, that anything is possible if you you know, stay focused and stay locked in and uh, stay true to yourself and your team. Anything is possible. Absolutely. La- last question for me, my man. Obviously, you- you've been doing this most of your life now um, it, uh, in your 30s, mid 30s. And you you've always kept yourself in great shape and haven't suffered uh, too much wear and tear. At least you don't appear to be. I know you've always said you don't want boxing to retire. You, 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 you want to retire from boxing. How much longer would you like to stay in the game and be competitive here? Not much longer at all. You know, I don't know. Uh, right now, I'm still wishy-washy. I don't know where my career is going. You know, I, I for sure want the Canelo fight. You know, I for sure want the Charlo fight. But I got obligations with the Spence fight as well. That's another fight that's intriguing. But outside of those three opponents, you know, there's nothing for me to do in the sport of boxing anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, my sights is my sight is on, you know, the big the big fights. Uh, I believe if Canelo beats Charlo, uh, that's the next fight to be made. If, if me and Spence not the next one, I think that's the next fight to be made. And then after that, then me and Spence can fight and I can, you know, ride off in the sunset. Because I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see how big of a fight with, with Charlo and Crawford will be coming off a loss. Mm. I never, I never fought 
I never fought an opponent coming off a loss. If you look at all my career, I never fought an opponent coming off a loss because, you know, uh, it wouldn't be as meaningful to me or my career to be somebody that just lost, you know. So then that opens the door for the media and people to say, oh, well, he just lost. So, you know, you beating damaged goods or you, man, he was just fighting for the money, you know. So uh, if Jamel win, then, of course, you know, uh, me and him, we can get in the ring. I can move up to 68 and fight him because he's going to lose a title at 154 to Tim Zhu. Once the bell went ring, I think it's bullshit. I, I think he should be allowed to move up and fight Canelo and still keep all his belts. I agree. Because mm-hmm. because Canelo moved up and uh, fought, fought guys and still was able to keep his belts. But I don't know what the situation is with that. Uh, that's not none of my business, but I'm just speaking from the outside. And uh, I don't think it's right. But at the same time, rules is rules. And if they do decide to take his his belt uh, when he when he when he fight Canelo, then I will be open to challenge the winner. All right. Well, there you have it, Terrence Crawford. Terrence, first of all, congratulations on all your success. If you're ever in L.A., drop by. You have an open invite with Man, us. Man, please come by. I won't sit you next to Kim's ass. <laughs> Shut you up. kick it with no, me. Don't listen to this guy. <laughs> kick it with me. I'm going to kick Steve Kim ass. Can oh. we spar? Yeah. Oh, my God. Hey, Terrence, oh, Terrence I want to spar with you. Hold Steve, on. I'll take an Steve, ass whooping. Steve, you know. <laughs> you know, oh. Kim. Hey, I'm going to beat his ass for you right now. No, 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 no. I, I do it him, then you. But anyway, Terrence, keep in touch, and we'll see you soon. Best of luck in your future, okay? Appreciate you. Hey, I appreciate I appreciate both of y'all. Thanks for having me. Thank, Thank you. you very much for taking the time. See you, All champ. Right. <laughs> All right. And that was the undisputed welterweight champion of the world, a serious man. Just a serious <laughs> He's man. He's going to beat your ass, Kim. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, here, this is the three knockdown rule. Uh, we want to make one uh, couple of announcements here before we get going. Uh, if you'd like to get involved with the three knockdown rule and sponsor our fine program, we still have some slots available. Please reach out to us by emailing info at boxbid.io. Once again, that's info at boxbid.io. Boxbid.io is an online platform that is launching soon that helps public figures and professionals in the world of boxing get sponsorships. We are proudly working with boxbid.io. Mario, real quickly, final flurries. Couple of things here. Um, that wasn't exactly Hurricane Andrew in a Category 5 we had in Southern California if you, on Sunday. If you paid attention to social media, you would think that it was the end of the world with a hurricane and an earthquake. I saw arcs being built. Basically. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I was on the road coming from Orange County. Then I had to drive all the way back to Bellflower. For people listening, that's about an hour and 15. Then I had another 45-minute drive. Some of the best driving I've had in L.A. Freeways were cleared because yeah. everyone was scared. <laughs> everyone was evacuated. Everyone was evacuated. And then it was just a light drizzle. The only down um, or drawback, I should say, is that I had uh, lost power at my house. For how long? The whole day Ooh, into the good. night. Not and good. it affects the hot water. So I had to take a cold-ass shower. Oh, poor That's guy. A, well, no, I'm just saying, you know, I got little kids. I got, I got little kids. That's, they don't like that too much. And forget cooking. So it was a mess, man. And so now, you know, generator had, priority then, number one. Then we had the little earthquake, little rocking and rolling. Yeah, I think I would have took the earthquake all day for yeah. some hot water. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't watch the, 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 the my documentary, the stuff we wanted to watch and all that. I had to try to crash. But overall, everyone's safe. Everyone's fine. And it was... Uh, um, it was much ado about nothing, to be honest I, I don't you. disagree with you. And uh, UFC, Sean O'Malley. Yo, Whoa. Sean's a hey champion now. now. He um, caught Al Jermaine Sterling with a nice counter shot when he overextended himself. Why wrestlers don't wrestle and they try to be something they're not? I don't understand. Stick with what got you there. I think people get a little confident because you're a little heavy-handed and... and um, or a lot of them have heavy hands, and you've had some success in the past, but when you're going up against a guy who's more known for his striking, I, I would have played that a little bit different. But you know what? He was a class act in defeat. Aljo made me even a bigger fan and of the way he handled that. And I can't wait for Sugar Sean O'Malley against Ryan Garcia. That's the thing. A lot of these, these the UFC guys will start calling out boxers, the ones that can actually throw. And look, I don't know if I blame them. McGregor uh, yeah. and uh, Mayweather did some big business, so uh, so we'll see. But yes, Ryan did engage in all that. And we want to thank our special. What a star-studded lineup we had today. That was fun, man. We could have talked to each of them about yeah. an hour each, but that was a little uh, little teaser. Maybe what, we'll talk what, to them again. This is what we do. So we want to thank Victor Conte. Yes. And we want to thank the undisputed welterweight champion of the world, 
Terrence Bud yeah, Crawford. He said, I, I have to be trash for him, just so you know. So I'm only just as a friend. You, you would do that without being asked. Let's be honest <laughs> about true. it. So, all right. So anyway, That's on true. behalf of Mario Lopez, Smoking Tim Frazier, and Tino, Tino on the edits. Till the next round. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you.